Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double N. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 568 of the podcast and it is Sunday the 8th of August 2021 as I record this and date stamping it is very important. So today's show is about Web 3.0, VR, AR, the metaverse and the spatial web. Yes, lots of fun, fun words today when learning new language. This is a special futurist in between episode on what many are basically calling Web 3.0 and it encompasses all these different things. And this episode is intended to give you an awareness of what is coming in the next few years, as opposed to specific advice on what to do about it, since this really is an emerging area. So uh, I've learned from other futurist episodes, people are like, oh, I went and did this. And I'm like, "Mm, you weren't really meant to action these things right now. It's more like, look at what's available. Think about how it might impact both your normal job. uh, And also, you know, many of you have kids and what the future is going to look like in the next decade. So that's what we're talking about. So I'm going to start by going into definitions uh, of this new language. Then I'll share a chapter from my futurist book, which I know artificial intelligence, blockchain and virtual worlds, the impact of converging technologies on authors and the publishing industry, available on all the usual platforms in all the usual formats. Now, because I've narrated this book and I have a chapter on virtual worlds and uh, I'm going to include that. So after the narrated chapter, I'll talk about the developments since I wrote it in December 2020. So we're only eight months from when I wrote the chapter, but things have moved so much faster than I expected. And this seems to be true across every single area of the futurist stuff I talk about. So I wanted to do this special episode and cover the topic. So thanks to my wonderful patrons whose support enables me to do these extra special in-between episodes. If you find this useful, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen and uh, you'll get the extra Q&A every month. Or if you just want to basically buy me a coffee, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the creative pen and that's just a sort of one-off, here's a coffee. Or you can call it a gin if you like. Right, let's get into definitions of AR, VR, Web 3.0, the metaverse and the spatial web. AR, augmented reality. AR layers digital over physical reality. And this is already available in limited ways through your phone. And uh, you can have a look at some pictures. I've taken screenshots from my phone of a number of these things. So for example, you might have played with filters on a specific app around changing the colour of your hair. Or on social media, you can add ears or funny noses and other features that enhance your physical appearance. And I'll put a filter of me with blue hair, which is awesome, which I did on one of these AR apps. IKEA has an app which will place furniture in your home. You choose the furniture on the app and you hold up your phone or your uh, tablet and you can see it in your living room or bedroom or whatever. 
there is a 3D option within Google Maps already. Now, they say it's within beta, but it's it's on my phone, where if you go to Google Maps and it will layer directions over the real world. So normally, if you do Google Maps and you say, click go and take me from here to here, you can follow on a kind of street map or you can use the visual world but what this does if you hold up the phone so you can see your street or a street around you it will put these sort of big blue arrows go this way or it's over here uh sort of arrows and again I've put a screen print in the show notes but it's really very very cool we first used it when we did a walk a few weeks ago and we were like oh what's this button and discovered and it was just great for orientating your directions in the physical world also I've got another picture of this which is the Google real-time translation. So what I did is to so open the Google app and use Google Lens. I'm sure you use Google Lens already. It's super. Lots of options now within Lens and they have a translate option. So what I did is I downloaded one of my ebooks in French. This is one of my ebooks and then I just hold the phone over the text in French and it translates it into English. So I can read the ebook in English and uh, I put it on Twitter and someone said it's actually quite good. <laughs> So again, this was nonfiction, but I've talked about real-time translation and AI translation for a couple of years now, and this is an example. And you can imagine how different it will be when I don't have to hold a phone over something. I'm just wearing a pair of glasses. Of course, the, the translation apps are already available, and if you hold them up to a sign or to anything you want to read, uh, or you can also, in the Google Translate app, you can talk into it, and it will someone else could talk in Spanish, and you can actually hold a conversation. So there's some really interesting stuff there, but I'll put those uh, pictures in the show notes if you want to look, or you can play with them on your phone. These are things that are already there. There are some games as well uh, that you can play with your current devices. So essentially, AR applications can be accessed through mobile devices already and tablets with cameras. So they look at the real world and then they put this digital layer over the top. But what we're going to be moving into is more wearables like glasses, contact lenses in coming years. This is already being used at the enterprise level with devices like Microsoft HoloLens in manufacturing, healthcare and education. And if you even if you just go on some of these websites, so like the HoloLens website, you can see how people are using it within a enterprise environment. VR, virtual reality. VR is about immersing yourself in a fully virtual world. The real world disappears. Think Ready Player One. And if you haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend you see the movie. Of course, the book is there, but the movie is really interesting, I think, because it definitely gives you a sense of what it could be like. And this is the experience economy where gaming and entertainment are taking to a new level. But it's also a virtual space for commerce, for networking, training, travel and more. VR is currently accessed through headsets like Facebook's Oculus, HTC Vive. There's a number of different headsets available right now but it is focused much more on gaming but that is going to change for sure so you might also hear terms like mixed reality or extended reality where essentially the lines between the real world and the digital world are blurred and blended the metaverse and this is turning up in loads of headlines at the moment. So I think it's important that we talk about it. So Neil Stevenson first came up with this term in his 1992 novel, Snow Crash, and it encompasses both physical and digital worlds. So 
the metaverse is not like a single place run by one specific company. It's more like the internet. So the internet now encompasses so much. And you can't say, oh, oh well, you, you could say, uh, I'm talking to you through the internet. But that could be any number of devices that you're actually listening to me on. And uh, you connect, maybe you, like my husband uh, uses... Uh, Microsoft Teams at work and I do my interviews through Zoom for example and uh, so there's lots of tools that are built on the internet or you know you can pay me through PayPal or Stripe and we can use Patreon and all these things are built on the internet. Uh, We deliver our books through apps or sell direct and we do this that and the other. So the point is that the metaverse is going to be like the internet, a sort of catch-all term that includes a ton of different things. It will be accessed and experienced through AR and VR devices rather than just 2D screens. So at the moment, it's just a flat screen or you're listening. And in the future, the metaverse, it might be 3D or you might be within some kind of environment. Venture capitalist Matthew Ball has a really interesting, uh, and I've got loads of links as well in the show notes and books and things to read. But Matthew Ball describes the metaverse not as a virtual world or a space, but a sort of successor to the mobile internet, a framework for an extremely connected life. He says, there will be no clean before metaverse and after metaverse. Instead, it will slowly emerge over time as different products, services and capabilities integrate and meld together. And I think you could say that around um, the internet. You could say the same about the internet as a broader sense. There wasn't one day where suddenly you adopted everything. If I think about my own journey, I started listening to podcasts probably around 2006. I started my own in 2009. I was reading blogs again probably for those few years and then started my own in 2008. I was consuming Twitter before I went on Twitter in 2009 again and there's lots of things that we and I didn't have an iPhone for probably until 2010 or something so you didn't go from day one everything arrived it's it's a process it's a development. So let's talk about Web 3.0 because I think this is really fascinating the way they're talking about this. So Web 1.0, the sort of around between 1991 to 2005, consisted mainly static websites on desktops and laptops. It was expensive to create a site. Only the biggest companies had websites. Like it wasn't a personal brand. There wasn't even such a thing, (laughs) really. Websites were mainly for pushing information or for replacing things like the yellow pages for finding things. You might go to a website to get an address or something like that. But websites were, yeah, they were clunky, expensive. Back in the day, I did try and build a website around 2006. And it was, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was really bad. And and it was so hard. And if you didn't know code, it was pretty much impossible to do anything. Then web 2.0 is around social, mobile, and also characterised by an explosion of digital creation through blogging, podcasting, social media, video, comments, digital publishing, and digital commerce. The cost of creation basically went to zero. Everyone eventually ended up with a mobile device and or access to the internet. And if you could have access to the internet, you could make an online presence for free. So what it did is it dramatically changed how much things cost to create, which in turn created this explosion of creation. It was very, very exciting. And I came into this 
at the beginning of Web 2.0. So Facebook launched in 2004, believe it or not. Twitter launched 2006. And I got on both of them. Well, I probably got on Facebook soon after it launched as a kind of just a person. (laughs) But I definitely got on Twitter for business in 2009. The iPhone and the Kindle were both launched in 2007, which is when Web 2.0 really took off. And I think this is very important too. So the iPhone, there were mobile smartphones, internet-enabled smartphones before the iPhone. There were MP3 players before the iPod. But what Apple has been able to do, and in fact what Amazon did with the Kindle, is kind of move things into the mainstream. So if you think that the iPhone and the Kindle were launched in 2007... And you couldn't actually publish as a non-US person until I think 2010. So, and it was in those years when a lot of the American Kindle millionaires appeared and that type of thing. Web 2.0 really took off. And if, if you got in those early stages, you you did really well, basically. So, and my career has been built on Web 2.0. So Web 3.0 is the next stage and we're in those early years now. So a bit like the early years, 2004 to 2006, 2008, those first four years, early adopters began blogging way before it went mainstream or became a way you could actually make money. There were certain, I mean, the romance industry has always been ahead of the pack. They got into digital probably in those early years. I mean, definitely before the rest of us. And Web 3.0 is about exponential converging technologies rather than just one thing on its own. This is another interesting aspect of it. It encompasses the decentralized web powered by blockchain technology. And again, you don't need to know about this stuff in terms of a technical way. You don't need to know how to program HTML in order to use a blog or to pay with PayPal. That's the important thing. But yes, Web 3.0 encompasses the decentralized web powered by blockchain and decentralized finance, including tokenization, digital currencies, which in the next, well, they've started already, but will be launched by banks as official country specific currencies, as well as things like crypto. It will also encompass the spatial web, which will blur the boundaries between digital and physical through the use of sensors, the Internet of Things, AR and VR. Artificial intelligence and 5G connectivity will underlie everything, a bit like the electricity and mobile internet do now. So without electricity and without mobile internet, we basically couldn't do what we do. In terms of, obviously, we can always write, but in terms of being an independent author in 2021 who runs a business on the internet. Without the electricity and pretty much mobile internet, we wouldn't be able to do what we do because people wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be able to do it and people wouldn't buy it. So we have to have these layers of technology to enable the way to go forward. So a couple of quotes here. Uh, A book, The Augmented Workforce, states, in the first phase of the internet, we connected information. So the hyperlinks between pages. The second phase connected people which is social, Facebook friends, Twitter followers, that type of thing. The third phase is connecting people, places and things in a more dynamic and amplified way. The Infinite Retina, which is another interesting book, states that spatial computing comprises all software and hardware technologies that enable humans, 
virtual beings or robots to move through real or virtual worlds and includes artificial intelligence, computer vision, augmented reality, virtual reality, sensor technology and automated vehicles. So they're taking spatial computing into a much bigger ecosystem. And of course, my job is not to talk about robots and um automated cars because that is not it's quite tangential to our situation I'm really focusing down on authors and publishing uh, obviously because that's what I do but it encompasses so much Web 3.0 hardware will include wearables like smart glasses, watches, smart clothing, and for some people, contact lenses, and some people may even choose more direct brain interfaces as they emerge. We will interact primarily through voice, eye tracking, and physical gestures, like we do in the real world, as opposed to typing or touching screens. Although haptic feedback will enable something like touch, so think Minority Report, the movie Minority Report with Tom Cruise, which I think was the first time we saw the screens sort of being swiped around in midair, although we see that a lot more now in movies. So right now you probably access the internet through your phone or mobile device or tablet, as well as your desktop or laptop if you're doing your publishing, that kind of thing. But glasses and other wearables will make it just much more integrated. And before you decide that this couldn't possibly be for you and you were not interested in this, and I've uh, believe me, I've heard this from people... <laughs> already and I'm like no seriously you don't understand that this is like the next iteration of the internet so you are interested (laughs) consider how much the internet is part of your life sure there are difficult parts of it and sure there are bad things but there are also a lot of amazing incredible wonderful things and as I said we would not be able to be indie authors putting our content out into the world, making uh, money from our books, reaching readers across the globe. All of this stuff would be impossible without the internet. And I mean, I don't know how we could have done the pandemic without the internet, really. I just don't know. It's an incredible part of our lives. And how much do you use your phone as part of that? You're probably listening to this through your phone at the moment. So I still remember saying to my husband back in 2007, I don't need a smartphone. I'm very happy with my Nokia, <laughs> my little Nokia. I only texted people anyway. Like I've, I don't like using the phone as a phone, but I like texting. And uh, so essentially I was like, I don't need a smartphone. Why would I need an iPhone? And now I run my business from my phone. It, it really is, well, I don't completely run it from my phone, uh, but I run a lot of it from my phone. I could run it from my phone and it is never far from my hand. There are many things we do now that we could never have imagined we would back in say 2005 or even 2007 I was writing a book I was writing what became career change but I didn't have a website I didn't have a podcast there I had no social media I didn't have an online business I didn't have an email list there wasn't the kindle store there wasn't the apple book store there wasn't you know podcast it wasn't there was just hardly anything of the ecosystem we have now and my multi six-figure business as a solopreneur is based on my writing and it is powered by the internet so yeah I am so you've probably noticed I am super excited very bullish I guess on where this is going to take us as creators this will I can see so many opportunities to create 
new things, to make more money, to connect to more people, to just turn this. It's going to supercharge us. In the way that the digital internet um, and Web 2.0 supercharged us the first time, this is going to be like one of those things, you know, in Fast and Furious where they turn on that gas accelerator and people kind of leap forward. I see this as a leap forward. I really do. So think about how Web 2.0 enabled us and now think about how Web 3.0 could give us even more possibilities. And even if you can't think of a specific example, although I'm going to give you some in the next section, consider just how the last decade has been transformative and then think about the next decade. So those are some definitions and initial thoughts. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to play chapter five from my book, Artificial Intelligence, Blockchain and Virtual Worlds, The Impact of Converging Technologies on Authors and the Publishing Industry. It is a narrated chapter from the audio book. So I'm going to insert the audio here. You can read the chapter in the show notes, or of course, the book is available in all the usual places. And I narrated it as an audio book. Then after it's finished, I'm going to return with some updates and implications for what you need to think about in order to be ready for the shift over the next few years. So here's the chapter. 5. Virtual Worlds and Augmented Reality The pandemic of 2020 accelerated the need for different ways of running business online and has proved the use case for virtual reality, VR, in education and training, co-working and collaboration, remote assistance and other applications beyond the gaming community. At Wired Live online in November 2020, Anne Sheehan from Vodafone UK spoke about how 5G is the enabler for virtual reality and it has come of age during the pandemic. For example, Coventry University in the UK is now using VR as part of their medical training. In April 2020, Singularity Hub reported on Virtual Market 4, VKET 4, a Japanese expo spanning 36 separate worlds contained within the VR chat ecosystem with a primary purpose to sell virtual apparel and avatars. More than a million people were expected over 10 days, making it the largest social VR gathering ever, and exhibitors included Audi, Netflix, Panasonic and Sega. The article notes, Today's biggest limitation to social VR experiences is the limited technology to facilitate a truly connected experience, but the acceleration of 5G will mitigate that. It also notes, For us Westerners, it's a reminder that development of the technologies doesn't occur at a uniform speed across various geographies. When I visited China and Japan a few years ago, it was already clear that consumer adoption of virtual reality was far beyond what we currently see in the West. I've been waiting for this for a while. Back in 2015, I wrote an article for the bookseller in the UK on virtual reality and the future of publishing. Imagine walking along a street of bookstores, each one with an enticing window display of eye-catching new covers that appeal to readers of a certain genre. You walk inside one with the dark, brooding atmosphere of the crime thriller lover and find yourself in a bookstore with shelves of books configured just for your tastes. You're drawn to a cover, pick up the book and start to read. You turn the pages, feeling the quality paper, smelling that new book scent. You continue browsing, and when you're ready to purchase, you choose your format and the book is sent to you in the format you choose. Then you take off your VR headset and carry on with your day. 
In the article, I speculated on the design and business model of a VR bookstore that could change based on what it knew about the customer. An Amazon or bookshop.org that can be personalised, but also offer the experience of being inside a real shop. At the end of the article, I noted, We're not competing against each other. We're competing against gaming and on-demand film and TV, as well as music. These industries are embracing VR, and the immersive experience will take consumers even farther from books. We need to embrace this technology and invest in what the online retail environment will be in five years' time. Clearly, I was early on the idea of a VR store, but perhaps I was only a few years out in terms of this becoming a reality, as online experiences and commerce are now moving into virtual worlds. In 2019, Fortnite held its first live concert inside a video game, a glimpse into the future of interactive entertainment, where the worlds of gaming, music and celebrity combined to create a virtual experience we've never quite seen before, The Verge. In October 2020, The Verge reported that more than a million people showed up to an album launch party inside the virtual world of Roblox. American pop star Ava Max held a virtual fan meetup in the game to celebrate the launch of her new album, Heaven and Hell. Roblox is a gaming platform that's been around since 2006, but John Vlasopoulos, Roblox's head of music, said, The stretch goal is to go to the non-obvious places, where we can make the virtual experience even better than the real-world experience. The confluence of virtual spaces and music has been steadily growing for some time, but it's really accelerated in 2020 due to the pandemic. With live, in-person events almost entirely cancelled across the globe, artists have been searching for new ways to connect with fans. At Wired Live, online in November 2020, the CEO of Improbable.io, Herman Narula, said that the virtual world won't replace the real world, but it will improve our interactions because it is one of the few places where age, gender, race, sexuality, nationality and language don't matter. He predicted that there would be jobs inside virtual worlds within five years and that VR has the potential to be as transformative as the internet. There have been virtual economies within virtual worlds for years. Second Life was established in 2003 and still has active users who interact, buy and sell with avatars, but it's all 2D on a screen. As the price of virtual reality headsets drop and more people use them for work, education and gaming, new forms of retail will emerge. VR offers a new way to teach, connect, earn additional revenue and market books. Many writers teach, and many also speak and network at in-person events and conventions. While these physical events will continue, online and virtual events will only expand, and I expect to be speaking in VR before 2030. Augmented Reality – AR With augmented reality, a computer-generated layer is superimposed onto the physical world – This might be a game like Hot Lava played at home on your phone, virtual anatomy superimposed over the person in front of you for medical training, or designing IKEA furniture inside your actual home. All of these are demonstrated in Apple's video of augmented reality in the home using an iPad. This might bring to mind Google Glass, unveiled in 2012. I tried a pair at Google's headquarters in London at an event back then, but the tech was glitchy and it was clearly too early for mass adoption. 
But now 5G technology, as well as the Internet of Things and advances in optics, means that heads-up display may well be coming in the next few years. In November 2020, Mac Rumors reported the possibility of an AR headset and smart glasses which would work with the iPhone. The headset is rumoured to be coming in 2021, with the glasses in 2022. Singularity Hub reported on the development of AR contact lenses by Mojo Lens in January 2020. I wore contact lenses for 20 years before I had laser eye surgery, so I'm ready for those when they emerge. For authors and publishing, this will enable interesting possibilities. As a consumer of primarily digital ebooks and audiobooks, I would love to see them on a virtual shelf in my home. I have bookshelves of physical books, but limited space. My library would include several thousands more if I could see my virtual books in AR. This would allow me the joy of browsing my digital archive and revisiting favourites in the same way I do with my physical shelves. I would catch sight of books I enjoyed and might check out the author to see what they've released recently, driving further sales. The same depth could be added to physical bookstores, which cannot possibly display all the product available at one time, inevitably driving people online to buy. But imagine being in your favourite shop, browsing the fantasy section with its limited physical options. Tap your AR glasses and a curated extra shelf opens up digitally, offering new and related books. Select and the order goes through digitally, with the book sent overnight with print-on-demand. The retailer has valuable data on preferences, driving follow-up emails with more personalised recommendations. This serendipity of browsing in a combination of the physical and digital stacks could drive more purchases in the real world. AR would also enable the creation of extra products. I want to create a companion walking tour of my books through London for my Brooke and Daniel crime thrillers and through Bath for my Matt Walker fantasy trilogy. Walk the physical streets with AR glasses and I'll be there with you explaining the history of the area and how it inspired my novels, with opportunities to buy, of course. There are lots of audio-only walking tours available now, but AR will enable the digitalisation of such experiences and further integration with retail. It could also improve in-person conferences and conventions, enabling enhanced networking and business opportunities. For example, I might wear AR glasses at Thrillerfest, where I network with other authors, agents, publishers and retailers. Their social media profiles might appear in my heads-up display with the subgenre they write, making it easier to connect. Or, I'm at London Book Fair and I can see what company people work for or which country they're from, as well as if people are on my email list or are a patron, which would help me with interactions. VR and AR technologies offer exciting new ways for the expansion of the industry and new revenue streams for authors and publishing. These are only a few of my ideas, but there is a virtual world of opportunity ahead. So I hope you found that interesting. And now we're going to talk about developments since December 2020 and potential opportunities for authors and publishing in the next few years. So the reason I wanted to do this update now is because my brother is a fashion designer and has just started a job as a 3D designer for a multinational sportswear company. And it was so interesting. He got this job and he's like, yeah, I'm getting into this new 3D retail. And I was like, okay, 
I didn't realise it was here already. You know, I, I've been reading about it and thinking about it, but my brother getting a job in this way is kind of crazy. It's, it's, it's happening. These big companies are already designing for 3D shopping where we will be in AR and VR and actually turning things around and that type of stuff. Entertainment is obviously getting ready for immersive reality through AR and VR. And as authors, let's be honest, we're in the retail and the entertainment industries, so we need to pay attention. A Deloitte report on augmented shopping notes that it enables customers to engage with brands and products via digital experiences that allow them to try on, try out, interact or personalise their product virtually. These experiences help deliver more detailed, intuitive product information than standard web experiences. So this is really interesting. And we've all increasingly shopped online during the pandemic. And how much better will it be? I mean, I never bought clothes online before the pandemic. And I have and shoes, for example, I never did that before I would actually physically go places. I'm not much of a shopper anyway, apart from for books. <laughs> but how much better will it be when we can uh, scan our bodies and there are patents out there at the moment for these devices where you can turn around and it will create a, a little avatar of you and then you can try things on your realistic avatar of your actual body as opposed to looking at pictures of models who have got model bodies and going, oh yeah, that would look really nice on me and then you get it and it's like, mm, no. <laughs> That's definitely happened to me quite a lot. So yes, I think the shopping, you can definitely see that kind of thing for physical products. Contextual digital assets will increasingly be overlaid on the real world environment and visible through digital screens like mobile phones and smart glasses. So this is... I obviously mentioned the idea of the AR-enabled bookstore in my narrated chapter, where the physical shelves will have a lot more options. So I'm like, okay, you only have 10 horror books, but if I hold up my phone and I can um, go to another shelf within a AR environment, then I might be happy to buy more and maybe they get them from a physical book printed on demand or you know, there's tons of ways in that this kind of AR VR thing will drive more sales for bookstores and authors. So another idea I was thinking about is to hold a book launch at a physical location and instead of directing buyers through a QR code to a URL to buy the book, you could just, again, hold up your phone and there might be a way to buy it within the AR environment and um, overlaid on the physical space or even a limited run of NFTs, which of course I've done an episode on that you can only buy from me at a particular time or that go live at a particular time. And uh, there's so many cool things that we'll be able to do with this kind of technology that we just can't right now. And it expands the possibilities far beyond what we can do and will make it much easier to sell books and expand inventory in a physical space, as well as create new places to sell within the metaverse. So virtual travel and leisure experiences will also be a big industry with immersive games and experiences. For example, you'll be able to see your favourite band perform in your living room with uh, augmented reality or join millions of fans in a virtual reality environment. And that's been happening with Fortnite and Roblox and this kind of thing. So personally, I still think that I'm going to want to travel in my body. <laughs> take my body for a trip for a more extended time. I want to eat my um, pastel donata in Lisbon <laughs> and I want to try different sensory things in different locations. But I definitely can see 
doing short virtual trips for conferences, book research, interest. So at the moment, for example, I might visit a virtual art gallery online or a virtual tour of a museum, or I've been looking at a lot of virtual tours of cathedrals and places for Tomb of Relics because I can't go. But it would be much, much cooler to actually be in a more immersive VR environment where I could go and look at things right up close in 3D and get more information. A good example would be St Peter's in Rome, where I've been a number of times. And I want to go and look at the Pietà, for example, by Michelangelo. You can't get anywhere near it. Like, really, you can't. Or we happened to be in there one day when the Pope did Mass. And I would love to be able to participate in something like that, but actually have a much better visual experience. So, and in fact, funnily enough, there was an article that came up the other day about how the Catholic Church will work in virtual reality, how the metaverse will change the way the Catholic Church works. And I was like, yay, this is fantastic, because it's church is an experience. And if I want to go to Mass at St. Peter's physically, there are a lot of things stopping me. But there are many, many, I would say billions of people who would love to do something like that. And VR, the metaverse might enable them. So, I think there are so many, you know, architecture and art and culture, there are lots of places that you could visit and would, let's put the environment in there, would save the environment in many ways if people did these sort of top locations through virtual reality experiences. Or another example might be scuba diving. So I scuba dived regularly for about a decade. I'm Paddy Dive Master. I worked for a while on a dive boat, had a dive business, and, and now I haven't been diving in probably a decade. <laughs> but I would love to scuba dive in VR. Absolutely. I would, in fact, I would much rather do that than put on all the gear, just not interested anymore. So yeah, and I, I think there are so many possibilities. So I did almost buy an Oculus Quest during this pandemic. I've looked at so much of this and I was like, oh, I could just buy an Oculus. But a lot of it is much better with a PC and like a gaming PC. But so I've decided to wait for the Apple headset which is coming, which I'll mention in a minute. So health-wise, working in this kind of immersive environment should be much better for us. The aim is a heads-up display instead of a hunched-over posture over a device with a big thumb uh, that causes so many issues with sitting at computers and RSI and all that. We'll be able to use our bodies to interact far more. So start getting comfortable with voice activation and gestures. And uh, I was thinking in terms of fitness, I currently work out with Bakari on Apple Plus Fitness. He's my favorite trainer. I love Apple Plus Fitness. It integrates with my Apple Watch with my heart rate and it appears on the screen and uh, I'm, it pays me with other participants in the online class and I can imagine wearing sort of a, a pair of sports lenses where I can see Bakari and the other trainers big size instead of on my phone <laughs> or my tablet in the corner maybe they're there and it'll just be much more personalized and motivating essentially in terms of the impact for independent creators, as I've said, you'll have, we'll have far more options to create digital assets like NFTs and create new income streams through tokenization and even independent economies like creator coins. Now, this is all just emerging, but what was way too technical a year ago is now becoming 
far more easy to use and real world easy to use. For example, Shopify announcing NFTs on their platform so people can buy them with normal debit or credit cards. You don't need cryptocurrency anymore to buy an NFT. And so what what I said in the blockchain episode a while back was that blockchain technology will just disappear. You won't even know that you're transacting on blockchain. You'll just, it will be like the internet. You'll be like, yeah, I don't know anything about HTTML or Java or any of this. I just know that I can use this app and buy stuff. (laughs) So that's how I think it's going to be. So yeah, all you need to know really in terms of the technical side of things is that there will be more payment options in the same way that we now have PayPal or TransferWise or Stripe and products that make it easy to do digital business. There will be more ways to turn your ideas into different digital products like NFTs and the resale economy, which blockchain will enable, will emerge that will create more streams of income, for example. There will be more ways to reach readers and fans through three-dimensional spaces on the metaverse in a similar way to doing something like a Facebook live video or a Zoom webinar now, which is on a flat screen. You'll be able to do these immersive experiences on metaverse platforms. And the thing is, I can barely scratch the surface of the transformation of Web 3.0 here. But consider the difference in the world between 2005 and 2021 and that kind of give you a glimpse of the shift. So between now, 2021, and say 2036, so the next 15 years, for example, things will be transformationally different. So how fast will this happen? Well, obviously, as um, Matthew Ball said, there won't be like today we're in web 2.0 and tomorrow we're in web 3.0 what we're going to see is the sort of moving over and in fact I mean it's funny in a way Facebook at the same time as talking about their launching podcasts which I mentioned on the last episode so Facebook getting into podcasts which is a classic web 2.0 technology at the same time they've announced that they're getting into the metaverse Uh, but coming back to uh, what I've actually written I'm so carried away (laughs) Right now, most augmented reality applications are still a gimmick and they're not widely used. Most users of VR are in entertainment, like gaming, and of course, and the more adult side of the industry is always ahead of the pack. But the VR is also obviously in military and businesses for training environments. It's much cheaper to train in VR and much easier to manipulate different things happening. Microsoft's HoloLens, as I mentioned, is being used in enterprise environments in manufacturing healthcare, education. And so this AR layer over the world is super useful, but still too expensive for most of us to use. Cryptocurrency is starting to move into mainstream news articles, especially as what's happening now is country country central banks are looking at launching digital currencies like China's digital yuan. For example, here in the UK, the Britcoin is being discussed and I fully expect uh, countries to be launching their own cryptocurrencies, digital currencies in the next year or two. So Web 3.0 is not mainstream yet, but that's, you know, why just focus on the existing situation. We should be talking about this because the big players are starting to get serious about it. So Mark Zuckerberg announced in June 2021 that Facebook would become a metaverse company. Facebook bought Oculus in 2014, so they've been working on this for a while, and there's already a growing VR ecosystem. But this marks a shift towards a more mainstream focus. 
Zuckerberg said in an interview, the metaverse will bring enormous opportunity to individual creators and artists, to individuals who want to work and own homes far from today's urban centres, and to people who live in places where opportunities for education or recreation are more limited. A realised metaverse could be the next best thing to a working teleportation device, he said. And uh, he said with the company's Oculus division, which produces the Quest headset, Facebook is trying to develop one. So whatever you think about Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook, you have to acknowledge the power they have to reach people globally. And they have the user base to roll this out. They also have a price point for Oculus that means it may be the mainstream cheap headset, for example, or at least one of them. They've also announced a partnership with Ray-Ban for smart glasses, so that might be a more premium version. And they've got a cryptocurrency in development uh, called Libra. So they've got a lot of things in the works that will enable this kind of ecosystem. Mac Rumors reports that Apple is likely to release an AR headset in 2022 with Apple Glasses to follow. Some commentators think that in the same way 2007 marked the beginning of Web 2.0 with the first iPhone, 2022 will be the start of Web 3.0 as Apple takes the metaverse mainstream. Snap, which used to be Snapchat, is now Snap, has developed or is developing spectacles for AR experiences. The Verge reports in 2021, July 2021, that while Snap first used its augmented reality tech for silly effects like puking rainbows and dancing hot dogs, the company increasingly sees AR as a way to shop. Early tests of AR shopping experiences, such as a recent collaboration with Gucci to let people virtually try on a pair of limited edition sneakers, have shown Snap that people are more likely to buy something after they interact with it in 3D. Amazon has smart audio echo frames that integrate with Alexa and presumably will have AR functionality in the future. And there are many more products and com- being developed, but also new companies emerging. I've just covered some of the big companies you already know about. This has all accelerated due to digital focus in the pandemic, plus the desire to work remotely and how disappointing and difficult it has been in many situations. I'm sure you all agree. I mean, Zoom and other online tools have enabled us to work and socialise in a functional way, as in we are able to do it, and businesses have increasingly moved to e-commerce, but it's not ideal and it's not sustainable. Web 3.0 will take much of what is currently in 2D on a screen and make it immersive. As Mark Zuckerberg has said, an environment where you're embodied That can be 3D, but it doesn't have to be. He says, I don't think that this is primarily about being engaged with the internet more. I think it's about being engaged more naturally. What virtual and augmented reality can do and what the metaverse broadly is going to help people experience is a sense of presence that I think is just much more natural in the way we're made to interact. It will be much more comfortable. The interactions will be a lot richer. They'll feel real. In terms of designing places where people hang out, this is going to be a massive part of the creator economy. You'll have individual creators designing experiences and places. So it's funny because I've not particularly liked Facebook for a decade and now I am much more interested in it because of what they're doing around podcasts, but also the metaverse idea, which is, you know, things change. (laughs) 
If you're interested in going into more detail on how this might look, check out a book called The Spatial Web, which goes into detail about how the technology might all hang together. That one's quite technical, but I've got some others that are not so technical. If you are dubious about these virtual worlds, uh, this book says, as of 2019, the important thing to note about Minecraft is that a young generation of 100 million kids has grown up designing and building an entire virtual world that collectively is eight times the size of planet Earth. And that really blew my mind because I know some young people who are now, I guess, teenagers, 16 you know, 12 to 20, actually, who have used Minecraft in in gaming, the gaming world in a much more creative, collaborative way and understand how virtual worlds work. Fortnite, again, another example, Roblox, people are used to virtual worlds. In fact, many years ago, over a decade now, I had an interview with someone who was a writer using Second Life, uh, and Second Life is still around, but it will be that idea put into 3D. This book, The Spatial Web, also states that virtual assets will become the largest asset class in history. And this is interesting. Many people will be like, well, how can that be? But if you think about how much people are paying for digital assets in the form of NFTs right now, how digital currencies and coins are taking off in different spheres, and essentially how this could really change the way we do business, I can, I can see, I can catch a glimpse of this emerging economy. Now, I don't know whether we as individual creators will sort of set up entire virtual worlds by ourselves. I think that's unlikely. The cost is too high in the same way that we don't build our own apps. We sell on other people's apps. We use all these different other companies to facilitate our business. So I think that's what we'll do. Whatever the metaverse uh, facilitating companies look like, we will use them. But we will build destinations on existing worlds. So for example, I have a Facebook page on Facebook. I have a book page, an author page on Amazon, that type of thing. Or there might be things for groups like an alliance of independent authors place in the metaverse where authors can hang out and write together. And maybe I could rent virtual space to run events. It's very likely you're going to use Web 3.0 in some form of your job in the next decade and also that your children will be using it within education, within entertainment. So, yeah, again, just think basically what if we replace Zoom with a space in the metaverse that is better than Zoom? (laughs) We could all be doing conferences within VR instead of watching flat screens. We could be doing book stuff. I could be doing my pod, this podcast, for example, within a VR space. Lots of possibilities. We might create location and time-specific stories. We'll use our avatars in marketing or even as part of content. So I was thinking about this. If you write knitting cozy mysteries, which is a really big genre, uh, or even knitting nonfiction, so some something where there is a physical skill, uh, you could record yourself demonstrating these knitting-specific patterns. And then when I buy your book, I'll be able to play you within my AR headset and you'll be right next to me, human size, showing me how to do the stitches instead of a tiny YouTube screen. And um, Jonathan uses YouTube for all kinds of things. Like, for example, he fixed the U-bend under the sink by watching a YouTube video. And if he had smart glasses, he could actually overlay the video onto the environment and it would help find the right bits and bobs type of thing. So that uh, I think there are so many possibilities 
possibilities. There will also be expanded licensing possibilities as well as writing for VR and AR companies to create experiences. And again, I can only touch on possibilities in this episode. But think about it this way. The internet has transformed our lives in so many ways. And in the same way, Web 3.0 is about to transform it all over again. So what can you do right now? Well, as I said before, this is more like an awareness episode. It's getting it into your brain, a bit like the sessions on NFTs and blockchain, as well as writing with AI. Of course, early adopters are already embracing these areas, but the shift will certainly take years to move fully mainstream. However, sometimes it's good to be in the early wave as you will be positioned for success. Those who jumped on ebooks and Kindle in 2007 to 2009 were well positioned, even though it was more like 2012 when ebooks went mainstream. And in fact, even now it's only starting to take off in some markets. I started podcasting in 2009 and it was 2015 when it really went mainstream. And now digital audio is an ever expanding market. So I am personally intending to experiment with AR, VR and the metaverse, as well as trying out NFTs using digital currency and blockchain apps as they expand into mainstream markets. You could try some, and of course I'll tell you about it along the way, you could try some simple AR things right now with your phone, as I mentioned at the beginning, try Google Maps with 3D or the Translate option in Google Lens. If you have the opportunity to try a VR headset, then give it a go. You don't need to buy one. There, I'm sure you might have friends who have them or there are VR arcades popping up in major cities with experiences like escape rooms and games you can play with friends. I've tried a few headsets at various events over the years, but I'm waiting for Apple to launch their glasses and or headsets as Apple is my primary ecosystem for hardware. And I expect to adopt more AR into my life first through my phone. And I'm very interested to see like how my brother is, how my, the things my brother designs in his new job actually appear in the way that we shop. So Web 3.0 will need new infrastructure and inevitably we'll need to upgrade our ecosystems as technology changes and new companies emerge. It's much easier to build a new platform from scratch on a new ecosystem than it is to re-engineer an old one. But remember, if you own and control your intellectual property rights, you can easily move onto these new platforms or adapt as things change. And that is an example there is when ebooks started to move into, so sort of started to be sold, a lot of companies scanned physical books into PDFs and tried to sell them like that. And there was a period, if you've been around a while like me, when you buy a Kindle book and it would be a scanned image and it was like, no, this is crazy. So then people started to actually design ebooks for the native mobile experience, for example, where it flows. Some people still say, oh, well, how do you do page page numbers in ebooks? Well, you don't because someone might be looking on reading it on a... um, a phone and someone else might be reading it on a massive tablet. So you don't have page numbers on ebooks. That's why. So there's some really interesting technology changes that will come. But as we said, if you own your rights and control your rights, you can take advantage of this. Many of us did this when ebooks and digital audio went mainstream. We recreated our content in a different format. So we may well have to do stuff like that. This shift will lead to new ways of creating as well as more opportunities for creation and sales of digital assets, plus new ways to network and market. It is the emergence of a new ecosystem. 
Oh, and as you can tell, I am so excited about this. I feel like I have one of these mindsets of abundance of there will be more opportunity creatives. It's just... <laughs> so exciting and I wanted I know this is, has been a bit all over the place and it's because this is such a huge topic and I will keep doing other sessions uh, over time and obviously I hope at some point to do something in the metaverse before let's say 2025 <laughs> so if you want to learn more check out the links resources and book list in the show notes and uh, I've put the books I've been reading in there Thanks again to my wonderful patrons whose support enables me to do these special extra in-betweeny shows. They basically, my patrons fund my brain and give me time to read all these books and research and think about these things and put them together into these extra shows. If you have found this useful, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen, where you'll get the extra monthly Q&A. Or you can just buy me a one-off coffee or a gin at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the creative pen. Thank you so much. So I hope you have found this useful today. If you have any comments or questions, and a lot of you may well already be way ahead of me on this, I would love to hear from you if you are already embedded in metaverse type things. So yes, please leave a comment on the show notes. Just go to thecreativepen.com forward slash blog. You'll find the latest episode and comment. You can tweet me at thecreativepen with a double N. You can email me, joanna at thecreativepen.com. This is definitely something I am still learning about. So as I said, if you know more about this, please let me know and if you are interested or you have questions or you think this is a terrible idea then also leave me a comment. So back to the normal show on Monday where I will be talking about world building. We're back to craft. Don't worry, we're just getting back to basics. <laughs> world building with Angeline Charina. So happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time. <laughs>